Hello and welcome to Time Lock, in which guests choose the records they would place in a time capsule to represent their lives. On this episode, I'm stoked to talk with Low Five. Otherwise known as Neil Grant, he's released a series of critically acclaimed albums, EPs and singles alongside running the Emotion Wave label. Under the same Motion Wave banner, Neil has brought together a stellar lineup of musicians and like-minded souls, which pre-Covid saw a series of superb live events across the northwest of England. Most recently, he's returned to one of his alternative guises, Her Majesty's Coroner for Wirral. A cross between reality and make-believe, it's a fascinating audio and soon-to-be visual experience. and I'm your host for the next hour, during which Neil talks about the lost art of writing strong melodies, the comfort of a good protest song, and that revisiting an old fart rocker ended up being one of his favourite tunes. This version of the podcast contains the music Neil chose. There's an extended version of the conversation without the music if you want to seek it out. Neil for joining us on Time Lock. It's fantastic to have you here. And Thanks for inviting me. We've got some really interesting, diverse selections to talk about. A couple of my favourites in there, and then I've definitely got a few questions about some of these other ones. It's <laughs> going to be super, super great. Before we get into that, though, probably worth just you talking a bit about introducing yourself to, to obviously the audience, who you are and what you've been doing. I've got a couple of questions about some of your releases as well. Yeah, maybe you can just give us a kind of overview of what you've been been doing. Um, I make music as Low Five. Um, I'm based in the Northwest, currently living in the Wirral near Liverpool. And um, I've got another sort of side project on the go at the minute called um, Her Majesty's Coroner for Wirral. 
I, I run a, a kind of kind of like a micro label type thing on a, on a night in Liverpool called Emotion Wave, um, and that's mainly basically just like a showcase night for emerging electronic artists. Basically, um, that's kind of being put on hold for the time being for obvious reasons. Um, so what I've kind of been doing at the minute is really just concentrating on just, I don't know, just kind of like working away in my little, my little teeny box room studio, just coming up with different sounds and just, just trying to do something new that I haven't done before, basically. Um, and I think that's where my latest Her Majesty's Coroner for World release came from. So I'm going to get straight into that because I'm glad you brought <laughs> up. So for the listeners listening in, I was fortunate enough to have Dallin, okay, John Michaelides, for the other show that I do uh, called New Seat. And we spent, I think, about 20 minutes and more probably talking about Her Majesty's Coroner for Wirral and your latest release there. And it, the, the ultimate question was, is is it real? Um, <laughs> So if you have not heard it and you've not read about it, you're probably thinking, what on earth are we talking about? So maybe I'll hand over to you, Neil, kind of describe what it is, and then we can kind of get into the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah, it's it's, it's a weird one. It kind of, it, it was kind of like a curveball for me as well, to be honest, because, you know, usually I'm kind of making this ambient, melodic, electronic stuff. Um, but then I think it was like, it was during a time when I was taking my daughter uh, to the uh, swimming baths a lot. I, I had this nightmare, and it was like one of those really vivid kind of, you know, wake you up, sat belt upright kind of nightmares. And it was kind of like based in a municipal swimming baths. And um, there was this like kind of like mangled Kylie track playing <laughs> in it. Um, so that actually became like the starting point for Her Majesty's Coroner for Wirral, really, because. I kind of like I dreamt up this whole without even like you know going near any a studio or anything like that. I just kind of dreamt up this whole scenario of somebody dying in tragic circum unexplained circumstances in a municipal swimming pool, um, and kind of you know imagining like this Her Majesty's coroner for we're all being like this sort of way of exploring that narrative and exploring the sounds. So it's quite like bizarre sort of psychological horror concept type stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just basically for that one, I mean, I brought that one out last year just as like a little, you know, sad thing. And people really kind of responded to it. Um, and I, th I think it's because like, you know, it, it, I wasn't trying to do like music so much. It's more kind of like... Um, I don't know, like kind of like a collage, like music concrete or something like that. Because um, there's certain things that people can kind of like relate to. And I think like something like a, a swimming pool is like a really unique space because it's just like a big tiled reverb room full of screaming children. Mm. So that in itself is kind of like quite an evocative thing. So, you know, taking something like that and like recontextualizing it, um, and you know just just seeing what comes out of it and it got some really interesting results so you know i, I thought that was it you know I, was, I wasn't kind of like didn't have any plan anything else with this uh, coroner monica but then um i think it was like towards the start of lockdown 
and um, I wasn't really sleeping that well. So I ended up like quite late at night, just like on the, going down these weird YouTube rabbit holes. And um, for some reason, I just ended up like watching all of these like bizarre charlatan new age healer type videos. And um, they're really bizarre because like the, although they're kind of like quite relaxing to watch and, and the, you know, the, the, there's people that go to see these people with genuine ailments. And they're obviously looking for some sort of relief and they're getting all of this like personal attention from someone who claims to be able to to help them. But, you know, the stuff that they're doing, they're like like these bizarre kind of like rituals kind of stood around them. It just kind of kind of doesn't doesn't sit well with me, really, because mm. they these people are either to put it like, you know, politely, they're kind of a bit deluded about what they can actually do. Or you know, if they're worse than that, the, you know, the sociopaths that are just after the money of people that are desperate to feel mm. better kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I just sent a couple of them to be mates. I was like, I'll oh, check these out. What, what do you think of these? And he was like, God, dude, this guy's really creepy. And I was like, yeah, it, it is really creepy. And I was thinking, well, why is that so uneasy to watch? And that kind of became the starting point of, you know, the, the latest release, which is called... Um, esoteric healing friend or foe Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean this whole kind of like coroner coroner's inquest thing was a way of exploring that bizarre unease and tension as well so for this one i kind of came up with this narrative of like a like a, a conference of these healers coming together um and then there being some sort of incident with tragic consequences um and it's kind of like, you know, the the coroner's inquest is pretty much inconclusive, mm-hmm. but it's kind of inferred that there's some sort of, um, maybe one of these esoteric healers accidentally or purposefully unleashes some sort of mad cosmic primal energy that ends up killing some of the conference delegates. <laughs> I'm just listening back to what I'm saying. I just sound so weird. I messed up. But yeah, that's just... I just felt like I have to I have to get this down. I have to do something with it. I'm glad you did. And what's really made it is the physical release. So you know, it was. It's not just you can obviously go into bank and you can get by the digital, but you created this pack, right? Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Yeah. It's. Um, it, I mean, I, because like it started off with video content. These videos on YouTube. I thought it'd be interesting to to do something with video, and they kind of like led how the how the sounds came about and uh, I, I took sounds from the videos and things like that and i thought it'd be it'd be good to package it up as not not as like a horror concept thing i didn't want like something to say this is a scary weird horror thing that's, that's going to freak you out i wanted to be sort of like grounded in reality so you know i wanted the the conference dvd to look like some really boring bland run-of-the-mill conference handout dvd Mm-hmm. And um, you know it, it's weird, but I spent ages looking at like various coroner's inquest reports and correspondence, and mimicking that as well to create like an insert um, for the DVD too. So I, I think that's kind of why people are you know are asking me if it's real or not because it's not kind of presented as a as a work of fiction. It's presented as like a mm. something quite genuine and authentic. Mm. 
Well, let's kick it off then with uh, the first, which, you know, electronic artist, one of the most seminal ever, Aphex Twin, uh, Window Licker. But you've chosen the original demo, not the, obviously, what everybody knows, the, the, the massive, crunchy single, as it were. Yeah, yeah. So, so obviously, why did you pick Window Licker, but also why did you go with the demo and not the, you know, not the main theme? Um, well, obviously, I love the, the, the main version. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's incredible. Um, I, st- I still remember the first time I watched that. I think it might have been like um, one of those late night MTV2 type deals. Yep. Um, and that, that's like a golden era, a golden age in a way for like, you know, experimental videos and, and music and stuff. It just seemed to be really more mainstream then. I mean, maybe it is now, and I'm just like out of touch or whatever. But it, that in particular just kind of blew me away, really, because because I've never heard anything like that before. But just the whole kind of like visual concept of it as well. Um, but you know, like listening listening back to it, it's um, I I, re- I really like that demo. I mean, I came across it like a, a few years back, but. I just kind of like sort of listening to loops of music basically and just kind of like getting stuck in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I often end up doing that myself, you know. Everyone else will have gone to bed and I'm sat here with like twiddling around with synths and stuff and then I'll be like, I've been listening to the same four bars for like an hour now. So <laughs> where, where do we go with it kind of thing? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, quite, I quite like that with the demo as well, really. But you know, it, it just starts off some like comes from a quite simple place but you know through through like the power of someone's um, imagination it can grow into like this whole other beast really um so yeah that's that's why i quite like it there's something quite humble about it i guess yeah yeah without the the thing that you don't get in the demo is the for me at least is is the low tones the bass the thing that just moves it along at warp speed I mean, it's a demo, right? So it sounds really stripped back by default, anyway. But but yeah. without that, yeah, it's kind of almost um, ethereal. With I don't know if it is his voice. It does all the lyrics, or, or all the kind of humming in the background. But it does sound. Mm. It's almost like choir, like a choir practice thing. It's um, quite yeah. quite different. It's good because it's kind of like for me, it's like um, just a reminder, you know, that these things do start off quite simple, and mm-hmm. you know, you can take some that you might think is uh, you know that's a bit not much to it but you can really kind of build on it you know and it i, I think that's just i think that's one of the reasons i, I like it anyway but obviously i mean day to day i'd be listening to like the main version but yeah i, I, I quite i quite like the the humility of that uh simple mm. demo really mm. and are you a sort of Apex fan in general or is it just one of those tracks that you like um, yeah, I, I am a fan. I'm not like a, I mean, a, it's a bit of a, a cliche, isn't it? You know, that people into electronic music, uh, massive Aphex Twin nerds. I mean, I'm not, I haven't like, you know, got all his records or anything like that. I like some of his tracks. Mm. Uh, I like the ambient stuff the best, I think, right. if I'm totally honest. Um, the two ambient albums. Um, I, I like Drugs, um, Come to Daddy. Um yeah, I mean, the, the rest of it, I mean, I like some of the, the newer stuff. I like some of the stuff on um, Syro. Um, I quite like the melodic stuff the best, though. So I, I've, it's earlier tracks like um, 
Alberto Balsam and stuff like that that really, really do it for me. Well, we don't want to be a cliche, but we're going to because we're going to go from one one electronic music cliche <laughs> to perhaps maybe one of the biggest electronic musical cliches. Balls of Canada, Kid for Today, my equal favourite band of all time. Uh, a great, great, great track to choose. So, I mean, it was funny because, again, John, John and I were talking about, and he's had one view that, you know, the back catalogue is quite small, but then I kind of look at it the other way, that actually it's pretty big. Okay, maybe they've got lots of official releases, but, you know, there's an awful lot of tracks you can choose from. So, why yeah. Kid for Today? Um, well, I was tempted to go with um, Roy G. Biff because that one is like, you know, that was my kind of like gateway to board to Canada. Um, basically, I, I was in a band with a few mates, I think I must have been about 17 or something like that. And we were like, just kind of like rehearsing in his, in his, his mum and dad's loft. And um, we came down for a cup of tea and like a cigarette break. And there was a free CD on the front of Enemy that had like, it was just like a compilation of like, you know, different stuff that was out. And it had like, it had some good stuff on it. I had like, um, I think it had like Elliot Smith and Royal Trucks and Mercury Rev and all these bands. And we were kind of like flicking through them and then Roy G. Biff came on. And I was like, oh my God, what is this? This is incredible. It just instantly, and I, I just ended up playing it on a loop because it, it was just like the most amazing thing I'd ever heard. <laughs> um, and from that point on, I became like, you know, an absolute Boards of Canada obsessive. In the internet to see, to see if I could find any more kind of stuff. And, um, but yeah, I, I remember actually being on Napster around that time. And there was actually like a Boards of Canada thing on there. It's a Boards of Canada kit for today, make construct. I was like, what's that? And it was just like a little loop of like kit for today. And I, th I think it, I heard that before the actual CD came out. <laughs> so, but I, I was kind of obsessed with the little snippet. Um, and then when, you know, that, that CD came out, that EP, um, I just absolutely loved it. You know, I, I quite like the way it got more of a, maybe a more cleaner, spacious sound to it. Their music has the right to children. Um, mm. But it's just so kind of, restrained and the whole kind of percussion thing which is based i think it's around like a slide a slide carousel projector yeah i think that provides like the main rhythm to it um 
it's just kind of mesmerizing and hypnotic and it's like a, it's one of those tracks really that just kind of really kind of puts me into a certain place um where i can just completely zone out and yeah i just i don't really know what else i can say about it to be honest yeah and it, it wasn't it's not an album track either so it's an ep if folks are not familiar in a beautiful place out in the country which i mean the ep is just a winner the four tracks kid for today owen Bishop Roden in a beautiful place out in the country in Zoetrope, which is often overlooked and one of their best tracks. Yeah. Uh, so, so when yeah. when does it take you to? Where does Kid for Today take you to? Is it back to being a kid? I mean, it's a bit literal, but um, not not to being a kid. I guess it, it's just kind of puts me into this kind of quiet sort of zen-like space. I imagine. Mm. I mean, it's not that often that I can like listen to something where I just completely like right put all of my other mental activities to one side and really kind of like get into something but that is that is one track and with a lot it's the same with a lot of body kind of tracks you know there's so there's so many little kind of tiny details and things to kind of discover when you listen listen back to it but you can really kind of like put your full attention onto it and everything else just kind of like melts away kind of thing yeah I agree completely do you think they're ever going to release anything ever again yeah yeah I'm, I'm kind of glad that they have these big gaps in between the albums because it, it sort of makes them more special I think um, it used to be like incredibly frustrating for me like back you know years ago because I just wanted to consume more and more but I feel like there's enough there now for me to to go back to whenever I feel like it. You know, you've got like the the albums, the EPs, remixes, all of the a few old tapes stuff and all yeah. of that. There's there's loads there, like you say, um, and there's, as well, you know, there's, there's a billion artists that are inspired by Boards of Canada who are, you know, some of them are incredible, um, and I'm, I'm quite happy listening to them as well. is the verve and slide away so very different sound but kind of around the same golden era of kind of electronic music so yeah. so yeah why did you why did you pick this well i guess i was i was listening to this stuff this i mean the early verve is very kind of shoegaze and i quite like that that kind of shoegaze sound really um i guess it was like you know this is all like in, in, in my late teens kind of thing and it, I think the stuff that you hear around that time it kind of like leaves a lasting impact on you and it kind of forms a lot of your um, I don't know like feelings about you know what what music you like in the future mm. I, um, 
But um, the thing I, I liked about you know this track and this 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 album in, in general is just incredible. Really, it, it, it's kind of like the how evocative it is, and um, in terms of like like Nick McCabe's guitar, his guitar work, and how he's able to sort of like you know create layers of it and use all of these like ambient kind of like reverb spaces it it just it just sounded like nothing else that i'd really heard before and um obviously like you know learning more about what he was into and he he was a big fan of robin guthrie and cocktail twins and people like that mm. and um you know i've kind of gone on to listening to that because i think there's a big crossover with shoegaze and kind of ambient music as well and i think um you know it's basically, I mean, at the time, it was good music to get stoned to. <laughs> uh, so, but, you know, it, it, it is just good music, basically. Um, and, you know, I, I don't really like what the verb became, kind of a few albums further down, but um, A Storm in Heaven and um, A Northern Solo, two very good albums. And I, I think it's mainly because of that kind of the sound design. Um, from Nick McCabe, it was kind of like just the architecture of this whole mm. kind of world, really. That's just just really rich and evocative. Yeah, and to totally echo the the, the kind of crossover or crossing back and forth between, let's say, the more traditional rock indie sound with shoegazing's kind of in the middle, and then on the left hand side, then you kind of get into your electronic space, trying to that creation of that wide. As you say, ambient sound, Cocteau Twins you mentioned, Slow Dive, Ride, Chapter House. You, you know, there's a whole list where they were all kind of going into that that space. And yeah, yeah, I, I think you know it, it. It's a difficult thing to to do well, um, but I think you know, particularly with people like the Verve and Boards of Canada, is that you know it. They kind of like sort of resonate with me anyway on like kind of like an emotional level as well and I'm not sure why that is I'm not sure if it's the melodies or or what but I think you know to be able to kind of wield that sound in a way that's kind of meaningful as well um, that's quite a rare thing I think Mm. it's almost like a wave of emotions you could like make a group (laughs) call it emotion wave right yeah absolutely yeah good idea (laughs) saw this i just thought okay that's just you know everyone's got their you know this it's their yeah. own taste so the boss bruce springsteen and tunnel of love where completely didn't expect to 
have that no. on here. So, so what's this? What's the story there? Yeah. Well, I was I was over in Ireland about putting that one in myself because, you know, like I said, I'm trying to. I don't know. We really was to just be kind of like honest about it. So, but yeah, I, I think my dad listened. I just remember my dad listening to a lot of Springsteen when I was younger, um, and he was a big fan of it. Um, you know, through my dad, I heard lots of Bruce Spring, Springsteen tracks. Right. Um, but I never really kind of appreciated it at the time. I was like, who's this? You know, old fart rocker just doing all of these like big anthemic songs you know I just, I just thought it was really cheesy um but obviously now that i'm a bit older and listening back you know they're, they're actually quite you know astute and incisive and really kind of poignant mm-hmm. um i particularly like the album tunnel of love um and i think i think now particularly at this point in my life it's probably because i've got a family and um you know, a lot, a lot of the stuff on that album, um, particularly this track, it, it's all about you know the the sort of dramas of domestic life, really. Right, right. Uh, you know, kind of having children and you know y- your future kind of and your life changes a lot when you once you have kids and there's not many people that kind of write songs about that kind of stuff that really you can kind of relate to but I feel I feel like Bruce Springsteen's really kind of like nailed it with this one mm. yeah it's funny put my hands up and say I've listened to very very little of Bruce put off by the the anthems and now when I think of Bruce I can't help but think of I was in New York back end of last year before this COVID stuff happened I was I'd met up with a pal um, for whatever reason, I was staying in New Jersey, just over the, the Hudson, and I had a cab going, and we went through the tunnel. We came up into uh, Hoboken, which is where I was staying, and you couldn't have written more of a cliche because it was a Friday night, very late, and we're driving up, and all you can hear blasting out of this huge pub was born in the USA. <laughs> um, and then the next one was Bon Jovi living on a prayer. It was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And the, the, my point being is that I think, and certainly for me, is those big anthems have kind of tarred this yeah. massive spectrum of actors. He's got a huge back catalogue before he was super big. Yeah, yeah. And people but are it, sleeping on it. So it's kind of cool that you're not. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I know a few people that like Bruce Springsteen, and I know what you mean. I mean, I, I couldn't stand that Born in the USA track because, you know, it, it's just this big. It feels just like a big nationalist anthem type thing, but um, you know, if you if you really kind of like listen to it, then it's actually quite critical of the USA, basically. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, the fact is, a lot of people don't really dig that deep into it. They just kind of take it at face value, and you want to use it for the presidential campaigns and that kind of thing. <laughs> and, and you know, I, I can totally see where like people like bands like Bon Jovi. Have, I've taken their cue from that, really. Um, you know, but I, I do think that, you know, at the, the core of um, Bruce Springsteen stuff is, you know, there's a lot of, um, it's got a lot of heart to it, I think. And mm. Although, like, you know, you know, some of the sounds and the arrangements and that kind of stuff, it's, it's not like, it's not especially like, you know, groundbreaking or, 
particularly musically interesting or anything like that. I, I think um, there's something very honest about it, and I think that, I think that's what appeals to me. Mm. The next one now, now we're going back in time a little bit and talking from one iconic US performer with the boss to another, but completely different, and that's Marvin Gaye with Inner City Blues and Make Me Wanna Holler. say about that and hasn't already been said well maybe you can say something that's a bit different to what's been said so um well i, I don't really have anything new to add to it you know it's it's an incredible album mm. um i only really got onto it probably about five years ago i think something like that but uh, it, it, i think it just came into my life at a point where it, it did feel like the world was starting to go a bit tits up um and i don't, I don't know if it's you know everybody feels that but it, it certainly felt like that at the time to me. And it was um, this inner city blues that really kind of like stuck out to me. It was kind of like, you know, what what the hell is going on? Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I often find that, you know, if, if, if I get too much like kind of current affairs fatigue from watching the news or anything like that, I have to kind of like switch off from it from a while. Otherwise it'll just bring me down basically. And it's times like that that I, you know, I'll, I'll go and listen to Marvin Gaye just because it, it's just so kind of soothing and um, yeah, it, 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 it's kind of like the, the musical equivalent of just like a, you know, a big hug or you and your mate just sitting down and having a beer and going, oh, what, what the hell is going on? Mm. <laughs> That's a really, <laughs> that sounded really Alan Partridge stuff, but. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's something that I'll, that it's kind of like a staple that I'll turn to, you know, when I feel a certain way about the world, I think. Mm. Therapeutic music. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. 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 I wonder if you intended it that way. I don't, maybe you did, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. I mean, I, I love the album, just the way it sounds, really, and the production of it. And I wish he'd kind of done more of that stuff, really, because... You know, like all of the the ballads and stuff he did, and I just I just don't really like them that much. I, th- I feel like you know he, he should have done more of the what's going on type mm. sound. Really, you know, with the, he, he must have had like an incredible like, band with him um, and just amazing musicians and stuff. Almost kind of like uh, you know um, 
the Beach Boys did with like Pet Sands. I can imagine him working with this like an incredible stable of musicians and just just kind of like jamming basically and, and him coming out with this, you know, amazing voice and amazing lyrics. Um, yeah, I just I just really like the way it sounds and the way that kind of tracks all flow into each other on the album as well. Uh, yeah, so, um, but yeah, that, that, that is the one that kind of, I mean, it's used everywhere, it's used on everything. I watched a film the other day called um, The Five Bloods, um, a Spike Lee film. Um, you know, it's, it's about these um, black Viet- Vietnam veterans that go back to find this gold. And Marvin Gaye, you know, what's going on is all over the soundtrack. There's even like some acapella versions on there that I haven't heard before, so I thought that was quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is very therapeutic, I think. Hmm. So how, how did you come across it? I mean, you said picked up on it about five years ago, but obviously it's been, as you say, it's super popular, it's available everywhere, so why, why and how? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I think, you know, the, there's obviously albums that are part of this established, you know, canon of amazing music. And, you know, I, 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 I like to kind of like just happen upon music when it's right for me, really. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like people will say, you need to listen to this and you need to listen to that. And I do, and I think, well, okay, it's good, but it's not really just, it's just not clicking with me at the minute. And I think, um, you know, for, for me, it just needs to be the right time. Um, and, uh, you know, for whatever reason, I don't know what was happening five years ago. Um, maybe I just had enough of the Tories getting voted in in general elections. Maybe that was what kicked it off or something. <laughs> Or, um, you know, Trump becoming president of the USA. Um, but yeah, it, it does seem like now there's, you know, there's a lot more unrest. It feels like there's a lot more unrest than there used to be. Or maybe that's just kind of like me projecting onto it. I don't know. Because um, I'm sure, you know, everyone feels like this at some point in their lives. But I, I think... Now it, it it kind of feels like almost like a things are coming to like kind of a crunch time. Um, but again, that could be just the result of watching too many current affairs programs. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> this piece of music everybody will know it because they just heard it somewhere but I suspect probably about half folks just won't know what it actually is and that is John Williams with Cavatina the theme from Deer Hunter one of the most iconic pieces of guitar or just music in general and super super soothing so is, is that again another choice because you just need something more to kind of quell what's going on kind of what's the story there yeah um I'm not sure really, I think it's probably a few things that um, my dad used to play it a lot on the guitar when I was younger. My dad was always kind of like, um, you know, he was 
at any one point he'd be like you know learning different things on the guitar and Cavatino was one of them he was, he was well into like people like Raikuda um, he, he's into like this kind of Celtish Celt uh, finger picking stuff now <laughs> um, yeah at the time I, I just remember hearing Cavatina a lot and he had a record as well um, and I think it was like a John Williams record I'm not sure but it was yeah I, I remember like listening to that on my mum and dad's record player when I was a kid and quite liking it as well um, and then I, I just sort of forgot about it and then uh, later on probably when I was in my 20s I watched the film the deer hunter mm-hmm. um and it was it just blew me away you know it's just it's just it's my favorite film i think of all time um and you know i think that that soundtrack really kind of hit everything home basically it's basically just a, it's a movie just about friendship basically you know two best mates and they get kind of you know pulled apart in these horrible circumstances um, and you know everyone has kind of like those kind of like moments with and, and friendships you know that are really important and you know things can go awry and I think um, you know that, that that song for me really kind of like sums that up but it also kind of like brings back like a time of being you know young and there's that whole kind of like nostalgia kind of element to it as well so yeah, I, th- I think it pulls in a few kind of like feelings and um, in, in, into like a, you know the one track. Um, but again, it's, it's I suppose it's a, it's another example of just kind of melody being quite a powerful thing, really. And that's 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 what it boils down to for me. Mm. And it's deceptively it sounds simple the melody, but it's deceptively tricky when you start really getting into it. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've tried to learn it on, on on guitar as well, and it's impossible for me. <laughs> you know, there's no way I could play it. But uh, yeah, you're right. It, it does sound quite simple, but you know, I, I think some people have got like a, a dim view of melody, really. But you know, it's not e- easy to do something that simple and that powerful, really. Absolutely, and you say it's your favourite film as well, so. Do you remember the first time you saw it and did you instantly like it or was it one of those that kind of grew over repeated watchings? Um, it, it probably grew, I think, mm. um, because, you know, the, like the first, I think like for the first hour of the film, it's just a bunch of fellas um, attending like the mate's wedding. It's just like a big wedding party that go, it seems to go on forever. Um, and then suddenly they're in Vietnam. And you know they're being tortured and being made to play Russian roulette and whatever, um, and they come back with all these horrible, you know, these emotional scars and stuff that's that has torn like these friendships apart. And um, I think you know, first time I watched it, I was like, well, you know, it's, it's like a, quite a strange film, really. You know, it's quite a big, quite long epic thing, um, yeah. but it's really kind of spread out i mean i can't imagine anyone making a film like that now really they'd be like okay edit two hours out of it or something like that <laughs> um but yeah i've gone back and rewatched it and just because like you know the performances from de niro and christopher walken are incredible um 
and yeah, it just, it just really, it, it just always felt like a really kind of powerful kind of, um, just, just like a powerful message on like the the power of friendship, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think that's that, that that's what kind of um, really stuck with me, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful piece of music. And wrapping up, what is a fantastic selection in and all beautiful music, but another piece of beautiful music and also in that kind of low key vibe is Miles Davis, Blue and Green, kind of blue. So again, huge catalogue to choose from. So yeah, why this one, and how did you get into Miles? Um, I think me, I think me ex-girlfriend had this on CD, and I think that's where I probably first heard it. Um, and you know, I've never been like a big jazz fan or anything like that. Um, you know, a lot of it really kind of, I don't know, it, it just doesn't really like click for me. Um, there's, there's some stuff does you know I prefer like a lot of like slower kind of jazz stuff um, especially when it's you know it's it's quite simple or like piano based stuff mm. um, so yeah I, I, for me this is kind of like another one of those tracks that if I've had like, like a bad day or you know a rubbish day in work or you know something bad's happened I'll kind of like put this on and this is again another kind of like soothing you know somebody understands type thing there's somebody else out there who's had been been in the same kind of shitty situation and they've been able to express that musically and capture it and really capture that essence of it somehow and um, that's what that's what this is to me you know Um, there's been like many a time that I've like just been completely pissed off about something and you know I'll be sat there on the bus home it's pissing down outside and I'll, I'll just be listening to this looking out the window and it, it kind of seems to make everyone seem a bit bit better somehow <laughs> and just this track none, none of the others in particular just this one clicks somehow this, this one in particular I mean I, I like the whole album you know it, it's, it's great you know Miles Davis is an incredible talent um I don't particularly like the guy himself or anything like that, but you know he's, he was amazing, uh, trumpet player, um, and 
Yeah, I, I don't know why it's just this one. I think it's just this particular melody. Um, and it's just how kind of sparse it is, really. You know, you can really kind of like drink in like the sound of like the the brushes on the drum snares and, and all of the, all of those kind of like little sounds. Um, and yeah, I think it's uh, it's just like a really good example of less being more, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned a couple of times uh, melodies obviously being really important for you, and you also mentioned as well that melodies get kind of get a bad rep. So, kind of curious how you kind of approach to putting your music together, particularly when you're thinking of you know, melodies, because obviously not all of them have them. So, is yeah. it something that you just hear was it something you just play around with how did you how do you how do they come together for you um well sometimes i'll it's it's kind of like different really um sometimes i'll I'll have something in my head or you'll hear like you know a tiny snippet of like a track as you're walking past the radio and and it'll just really kind of like latch onto and think wow that sounds amazing i don't know why like but certain kind of you know putting a, a number of notes in a certain order for some reason um, and just really kind of get, gets, you know, appeals to me. And I, I don't know why it is, but uh, I, f- I feel like I'm always trying to sort of chase that particular dragon, really, with the music. Um, and it's, you know, it's a lot of the time the best stuff comes about just purely by by accident or it's you know it's like a really serendipitous thing um because when you try and whenever i've tried to kind of like come up with a good melody for example it's like you know by using your conscious thinking brain just you just can't do it it kind of like it's almost like better if it comes from like more of like a subconscious kind of place um and i don't know why that is but yeah i'm i'm, I'm trying to sort of do more of that with me lo-fi music just just try not to think about it too much and mm. just try and let it just kind of like flow out of you really um because it just sounds so much better um and yeah I, like i said I, i've no idea why certain certain things do certain melodies do appeal to me but i think you know certainly with artists like aphex twin and boards of canada and people like that you know about like that i think they really have like a as well as being incredible producers they have like a this kind of like natural affinity with melody um which is you know you you, you can't i think you you have that ability or you don't really hmm. it's a bit jazz like yeah yes. let it happen yeah yeah I could probably get more into jazz, but I think I need someone to point me in the right direction with it. Because whenever I turn on, like, you know, Jazz FM on my radio, I'm like, oh, God, this is awful. <laughs> so uh, I, re- I really need a proper jazz connoisseur to, to, to give me a few leads there, I think. Well, look, yeah. this has been a fantastic selection, a great discussion as well. We started at the top with kind of what you're doing with, uh, or what you have been doing with Her Majesty's Coroner for Wirral, the five copies of The Art of Living. You mentioned a little bit about Emotion Wave and the also the live act you're doing. So what else can we expect from the Low Five Canon? You've hinted at future release, but what else can we expect from Emotion Wave and Low Five? Well, I, because I've been like sort of wrapped up with my own 
like releases recently. I, I haven't put much thought into it, and obviously with the lockdown, um, you know, live events aren't really feasible at the minute. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to kind of think of different ways of creating like a, a live music experience at the minute. And, um, you know, I, I, I got into like meditation a few years back and I, I quite like the idea of coming into a space where you can almost kind of like be that relaxed and comfortable in almost like a meditative kind of state and also listen to live music as well. So what I'm trying to sort of figure out the logistics of at the minute is a way to uh, get some ambient um, artists, type artists together, um, find like an, an appropriate, comfortable space, maybe with cushions and carpets, you know, not a bar type thing, and do like this kind of quite, almost like a, a guided kind of hypnotic, meditative gig type experience. Um, um, so that, that that's about as far into it as I've got at the minute. Um, I'll let you know when <laughs> you manage to uh, make that a reality. Um, but that that that's kind of where where I'm at now. I'm kind of thinking, you know, I, I've I've put loads of gigs on in bars for like you know the last five years, and I'm up for trying something a bit different now with it really, and just kind of seeing if people will be open and receptive to that to that way of consuming live music. That sounds very intriguing and could probably be a separate podcast on its own which might we might do one day excellent and uh, we find all your back catalogue on Bandcamp, and it's geography of the abyss that was also out on physical copy with castles in space right i got that's that right. right that's right yeah yeah. Um, yeah so if you go to castles in space Bandcamp, you'll see that one there um yeah there's some stuff on on spotify as well not all of it though great so bad guys just search and you will find neil it's been great thanks very much for having us having you on the show for inviting me it's uh, it's been nice to to chat to your ear off appreciate <laughs> it thanks man <laughs> Another great big thank you to Neil for a delightful conversation. I heartily recommend exploring his and the Emotion Wave back catalogue on Bandcamp. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Time Lock, and if you did, please leave a comment, like, or share. Don't forget to listen to the monthly gated podcast presented by Node, and check out past episodes of Time Lock on SoundCloud. So until next time... Thank you.